Amen. Last week we spoke on the love of Christ that he had that was so significant and so sufficient that he died for us. Christ's love was so strong, was so, so prevalent in his life that it was motivating enough that he would go to the cross for us. And today I want to talk about love. I want to talk about unconditional love. Love that brings us motivation like that. And the thing that it would do for you and I as we would continue to experience that kind of love in our life. But, but there's a lot of questions about love. What, what is love that it should be such a powerful force in the universe? What is there about love that makes it so motivational and so powerful? How do we experience it? And how does it manifest itself through us as we're living in the power of being Christ-like? These are huge questions, and, I'm, and I'll tell you right now that I'm not the qualified one to give all the answers. Pastor Mike, maybe you should come up and preach this message because you're probably more qualified than I am to preach the message on love. But, you know, it's just, but we're going we're gonna to try. We're going to give it the best shot I have in talking about love and what does it mean to be and to experience God's unconditional love for us. See, love is something that cannot be over-researched or studied. In fact, just go out on the Internet and search it. Search what is love and just read some of the blogs and some of the postings and some of the teachings about love. It is probably, I wouldn't say probably, I would say it is the biggest and most uncontrollable force that mankind can ever experience. And it's uncontrollable because I don't know that I can control when I fall in love. I don't know that I can control it. It's just one of these things that just comes upon you. It is a very powerful force. In fact, love is, as proven by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, is more than we can possibly understand today as far as how powerful of a motivator it really is. The, the motivation that Jesus had to die for us, to make that perfect sacrifice, to come from heaven, that perfect place, to be a baby in the manger and to grow up in this sin-filled world and to be that perfect sacrifice for us, that was some pretty powerful motivation. Don't you agree with that? That it took an awful lot for God to send his son to come down and to be the sacrifice for sinful men. But we're going to talk about that. Love, love is a crazy motivator. And, uh, and without question, people die for love. They do stupid things for love. But we're going to talk a little bit more about love. What is it humanly? What is it from a godly perspective? First of all, what does the Bible say about love? First John chapter 4, verse 8 it tells us, whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And then skipping down a few verses to verse 16, and it also says in that same chapter, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. So when we see that God is being described as love, should it surprise us then that love is so powerful. If God describes himself as love, then why should we be surprised by the powerful motivator love is when love is God and God is love? So what is God? Well, good luck trying to explain that one away, but I would say that God is uncontainable. He is inexhaustible. God is never-ending. God is the provider of all things and of all life. God is immeasurable in human terms. 
we will never, we can never begin to understand and measure God. So if God is love, and if God is immeasurable in human terms, then love must as well be immeasurable in similar terms. Amen? I don't know that we can really grasp the concept of true love. No more than we can grasp the concept of truly what God is. Therefore, love is uncontainable. Love is inexhaustible. Love is never-ending and immeasurable in the ways that we measure things. We cannot measure that. But yet, but yet, we throw the love term around so flippantly. We throw that word around so easily, like we understand it. I love Mexican food. I love to fly my drone until I crashed it yesterday. So I'm, I'm in drone mourning right now, just so you know that, because I crashed my drone. But I, I love things. I say it so easily, how we love things and how so flippantly and so casually we use that term. By the fear fact that we use it so casually, I guess I would suggest to myself and maybe to the world that maybe we don't see and use the word love the way God sees and uses the word love. And maybe they have different meanings in different contexts. Because if we really understood God's context of love, I think we'd be much more reverent and much more appreciative of what it means to love and to be loved. Going back to our message last week in regards to what motivated Jesus to go to the cross was his unlimited and unconditional love for mankind. That he loved us so much. Remember, he created us, right? He created us in whose image did were we created? In his own image, right? See, he, he created the animals and the insects and everything else that's living with the spoken word. He spoke those into existence. But for mankind, he took a little bit more involvement. He came down and he formed the man out of dust. He formed him in his own spiritual image. And then he breathed, then he, then he bowed his head and, and kneeled down. I can only imagine God kneeling down to that mound of dust and breathing into the nostrils of that dirt. Man was created. So God's spirit indwells man. So man is made differently than any other thing. Man is made capable to love the way God loves. Now, I know that dogs love. I know we have a very loyal dog. And I know that dogs love, but they don't love the same way we love. They love probably sometimes better the way, than the way we love <laughs> because they are so unconditional in their love. A dog doesn't care about a lot of things. As long as you feed it, it's happy. So knowing that God created us this way, knowing that his love is so immeasurable, it makes me want to know, know a little bit more about it. So I'm hoping today that we're going to be able to understand a little bit more from God's perspective what it is to, be, to, to have unconditional love in our life and the powerful motivator that it is. So let's try to understand it. Let's first of all measure what we can from the human standpoint. The American Heritage Dictionary defines love as an intense, intense affection for another person based on family or personal ties. Well, notice that the key phrase in the dictionary of definition of love is, is the term based on. That love is based on a family tie or a personal tie. And this would imply that love is conditional because it's based on something. It's based on the fact that I have a reason to love you. 
In other words, we love someone because they fulfill a condition that we require before we can love them. How many times have you heard it said, or how many times have you said it, I love you because you're cute, or I love you because you take good care of me, or I love you because you're fun to be with. See, human love is based on conditional elements that are changeable. The problem is, is that they're changeable. And that's the problem with human love, is that the elements that we base our love on aren't consistent. They are consistently changeable. And when the change happens, if we're not able to make the change, then love breaks. It falls apart. We love based on feelings and emotions that change from moment to moment. The divorce rate is extremely high in our society today because... Husbands and wives supposedly stop loving one another or they fall out of love. They may go through a, a rough patch in their marriage and they no longer feel the love that they had one, at one point in time for their spouse. So they call it quits. They say, let's move on. Let's, let's change partners. If evidently, their marriage vow of death do us part, tell death do us part, means that, that they part at the death of love not at the death of their physical set life. Because, obviously, they're not fulfilling that vow. So they must redefine it somehow. So they're, they're, they're defining it as the death of our love. When love dies, my vow ends. That's not the vow you made. That's not the vow that was made that day. I went on the Internet and I Googled, how is love defined between people? How do people define love? Here are some responses. Let me just read them right off, the, right off the internet. Love cannot be defined. It is purely each to their own of each emotion, feeling, thought, and willingness to an individual. Love is what you make of it. It is not a choice but a fate. Each person makes the word love its own. You love for different reasons, and each of them will be different to the other. Another person writes... Love is an uncontrollable, psychological, universal phenomenon where in its purest form it will engulf the mind, body, and spirit of the human being so powerful of a force it changes the world. Another one says, Love is unexplainable, but if it can be, it would be something like this. Love is a feeling beyond what you've imagined. It's waking up in the morning and thinking of your significant other. It's that thought right before bed that makes you happy. They make you happy just thinking about them. Love is when you give your everything and all. Love is knowing you're risking your heart for that possible love back. It's much more than us and can be very easily overwhelm us, good and bad. It's something our mediocre selves want to feel and would do anything just to feel it for a second. Love is overall something beautiful with all its flaws. And then another one says, love, not war. Love is peace. Love is the warmth in your heart. Love makes your stomach have butterflies when your lover kisses you. Love is giving flowers, chocolates, and a card on Valentine's Day. Love is a drug that you cannot buy with money. Love is contagious. Love makes, you li makes life worth living for. Love is when you're able to share your one half of your soul with your other half that's in somebody else. Love is security. Love is passionate. Love are those sappy and romantic movies on the Hallmark Channel. Well, after reading this, these definitions and others, I've got to tell you, I'm more confused now than ever on what love really is. I don't have any idea what these people are saying, other than they're saying it is all based on feelings. 
It's all based on emotions. I wonder how the world would define love if they couldn't use the word feeling. How would the world define love if they couldn't use the word emotions or feelings? Think about that. I don't know how they would write it. But today I want to try to understand the form of love that comes from God. What is godly love? And how does it differ from human love? Well, we have to go back to our text this morning. What does the Bible say about love? 1 John 4, 8. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. So there must be some form of relationship between God and man if we're to know God's love. 1 John 4, 16. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. So again, I see love extending here in both directions. Whoever lives in God and God lives in him, then love lives in him too. So there's a, a reciprocation of love. It's a two-way street. Love is unbelievably undefinable, just as God is unbelievably undefinable. In fact, I've heard many theologians say that we will spend eternity, meaning forever, learning of the multidimensional aspects of God. Therefore, we will be spending eternity learning of the many facets of love as well. We cannot comprehend God in our human mind. It's too small and God is too big. Same thing with love. Our mind and our emotions and our feelings and our, and our life is just too small to contain it and fully understand it. So we will spend eternity understanding God and eternity understanding his love for us. But there is a starting point, and so I want to take some time to talk about the starting point that we have, and then we'll hopefully understand more about what love is about. What I like about God is so often he gives us something that we can see and relate to in our life here that can help us maybe understand some of the more amazing principles spiritually. So when I see love, I see a flame. I see fire. Love is like a flame of fire. See, it can be shared with unlimited measure, and it doesn't diminish the flame at all. Let me just show you an example of this. I have a, I have a candle here, and I have a match, and I'm going to light my match, and I'm going to light my candle. All right. See, everybody see the flame? flame has a certain size right now, doesn't it? A certain figure, configuration and a certain sense of brightness to it, all right? Now, if I take a candle, and if I want to light this candle from this flame, watch what happens to the flame. Does that flame change? Did I take anything away from that flame when I lit this candle? Let me light another one. Maybe I will here. Okay. Two candles. Anything different about the flame? Still the same, isn't it? How about another candle? Haven't even impacted that flame at all, have I? Let me try one more. That had to do something, didn't it? I've got four candles. How, how many candles do you think I could light from that flame? See, it's immeasurable. Before I drip wax all over the place. Flames of fire are immeasurable. I, I can never take away from the characteristic of that flame no matter how many candles I light. 
I can light that until eternity, as long as I have a, as long as I have a feed of wax feeding that or a, a, a source of, of feeding that flame. That flame will give off flame after flame after flame after flame, but it will never end. It's immeasurable. That's like love. That's like love. Love is just as immeasurable as that flame is. How many people can you love? Ever thought about that? How many people can you love? Is there a limit to your love for people? See, when I think of love, I look at, you know, when I think of my, my um, family, I think of my children, I wonder how many children can I have before I stop loving them? How can that be? See, when, when, when we look at measuring things that are immeasurable in human terms, such as the existence of this flame, we have to realize that that flame is not based on external conditions. In other words, that candle can light candle after candle after candle after candle, and it has nothing to do with the conditions of the candles that it's, being, that it's lighting. Totally unconditional. That flame will burn unconditionally no matter how many candles I light from it. That's unconditional love. It's not based on the conditions around it. It's how God loves me. How many people can God love? How many people are on this planet? How many people have ever existed? What's the Bible say about God loving people? He loves them all, doesn't he? And does he love anyone differently differently than anyone else? No, he loves them all the same, right? God loves people unconditionally, all the same, without any exception. That's an amazing fact. And here's the thing. Since I'm created in God's image, since you're created in God's image, do you know that you're created with that same capacity? That you can love people just like God loves people? If God lives in you, you you can love people the way he does? That's the amazing thing about God's love. Maybe one of the problems we have with love is that we think of it in terms that aren't biblical. And, th- and thus, love becomes limited in its power and its ability to be, be all that it's supposed to be. We love quite often. If we're loving on, in human terms, we're loving with conditions applied. If love is understood by what love does for one, other, one another, I can see how love can be exhausting and exhaustible. When my love depends on what you do for me, or your love depends on what I do for you, I can see the doing becoming more than the loving. That we focus more on the doing than we do on the loving because we're always looking for that condition. What is that thing? Love is not based on what I can do, but love is based on my commitment to people. Not what I can do for them or not what they can do for me, but love is a form of commitment that I would continue to do and they would do for me as well. God's love is unconditional. So we saw human love. Human love is based on conditions. Human love is based on what's done for me or what I do for them. Human love always has a hook, always has a string applied to it. But God's love is unconditional. Now, I'm only speaking in truth here, and my wife stepped out, so that's good. I'm only speaking in truth here when I say that there have been times in my marriage that that the feeling of love that I had at the beginning just hasn't been there. I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. My feelings come and go. 
I don't always, I can't say that I've loved my wife with all of my feelings like I did at the very beginning of our marriage. But yet, I can be honest enough to say that my love is grown for my wife beyond that feeling and emotion. It has morphed into a sense of commitment and a sense of fulfillment that is much more powerful and much more meaningful than my feelings. Has yours? Yeah, see, that's what marriage is all about. That's what relationship with people is all about, that our love maybe begins in a certain, certain level, maybe begins in a certain flame, but yet that would morph and change as my love grows into be more unconditional love, like the God has. When the feelings of love and feelings of, of unconditional commitment, when they combine, that's awesome. That's powerful. When I, when I feel the love and I have the commitment of love, man, that's, that's the best place to be. And that's a great place to be. And we can be there. But, there, but, when, but when those feelings change, don't let the commitment change with it. Stick with the commitment. And you know what? The feelings will come back. They will come and go. But the commitment stays and gets stronger. Can we really comprehend unconditional love? Can we really comprehend it? I think that maybe the, 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 the thing that is the closest for us to, to really... Um, begin to understand unconditional love is, is maybe um, the love that we have for our children. I don't know why that love is different, but it is. I, I, there's an unconditional love that a mother has for a child. No matter what that child does, the mother just has a tendency to love that child. How many times have you seen it on, you get, you know, the, 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 course, the, the cases on TV where the, the child does a terrible thing? mass murderer does something terrible and the mother says oh that just couldn't be my son my son would never do that <laughs> my daughter would never do that well there's that love there's that unconditional love that says no matter how bad they are I still love them I still love them and I think part of that is because they, they, are, they are a part of our creation see God created us in his image and he's manufactured it in such a way that now we create others in our image through our childbearing years, we are creating, as we humans create, children. And we then, they are a part of us. They are an extension of us. Therefore, my love for them is different than a love for another person that I might choose to love, like my wife or your spouse. But love for children is probably the closest that I can think of as that unconditional love that God has for us. Why? Because we're created by him as well. There's that creation element here that brings us together. It's a, it's a similar kind of love. God's love is unchangeable, it's unconditional, and his love is very different from human love. See, God's love is not based on feelings or emotions. He doesn't love us because we're lovable. He doesn't love us because we make him feel good. We don't, he doesn't love us because we worshiped him this morning. He doesn't love us because we gave him the offering this morning. He doesn't love us based on anything that we do for him. But he loves us because he is love. And because he created us in his image that we are, a, we are an extension of his love. We are an extension of himself. He created us to, to have a, a loving relationship with him. And when mankind broke that so many years ago in the Garden of Eden... He brought his son through the love of God, through 
his son Jesus to be that ultimate sacrifice so that we could have, so that he and I can have, he and you can have that relationship once again restored based on love, that restored relationship. And the Bible proves this point to us in Romans chapter 5, verse 6 and 8. It says, you see, you at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I didn't have to clean myself up. You didn't have to go and do anything to qualify yourself to receive God's love. While we were still sinners. And what I like about this in verse 8, it says, but God demonstrates meaning continuously demonstrates. He didn't, he didn't say God demonstrated. It's not a past tense. It is a present tense. It is an ongoing demonstration of God's love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. He continues to demonstrate his love for us unconditionally based upon his love, not based upon my actions. Even those that reject Christ does that change God's love for them? For those that have rejected the love of Jesus, does God love them less? Does he? No. He loves them. He loves them. God's unconditional love, though, isn't enough to save a person from their sins if they don't respond. There must be a second part of that equation. We must respond to God's love if that love is to have a benefit into our life. God will love that person even to the point of death, even to the point of their eternal separation from them. His love never changes. I'm sure his heart breaks, but his love never changes. But he, he will never, he cannot go beyond that power of choice that he gave every one of us to receive that love and to, re, and to reply it back and to, and to respond in a way that we would accept that love. Again, our text says, whoever does not love God does not know God because God is love. It's only those that know God really are in his love in the way that knowing God can be. So we know and rely on the love of God. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Read that with me. Say that aloud with me. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. So do you see how it's a two-way street? Do you see how God's unconditional love starts first? It's the first thing that happens is, God, is that God's unconditional love. And that lives in God, and then when man reflects that love's back or responds back to that love, then God lives in them. There's a difference between God loving a person and God living in a person. See the difference? He loves us all, but he only lives in those that love him back. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That whoever believes in him, in other words, there has to come that point of understanding that God's love is unconditional. It's for me and for you, but I must believe and accept and receive that love, and then I become the child of God. And then he, his love lives in me. 
Whoever lives in love lives in God, and he in them. Love is received, responded to, and then returned. It's received, responded to, and then returned, thus turning religion into relationship. And that's what God's all about. He's about relationship. That's why we had such a sense of freedom this morning when we were worshiping the Lord. Because there are those here this morning that have received and responded to and replied back to God's love. And that relationship then gives us a sense of freedom. A sense where we can call out to Daddy, Father. Abba, Father, Daddy, God, would you just come and be part of my life? You're welcome in here, Holy Spirit. You're welcome in my life. You're welcome in my problems. You're welcome in my healings, right, Calvin? That he's welcome in our hearts and lives no matter where we stand. When we have relationship with God, his love is unconditional for us, and he then fulfills himself in our hearts and lives. The first step in unconditional love, Christ died for us while we were still sinners. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Second step. Romans 10.9, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. When we receive the gift of salvation by accepting his death and resurrection, then that's how we receive the penalty for our sin. See, he established it. He provided it for us on the cross. That's, that's a past deal. That's done. That's over. That's already accomplished. But God demonstrates his love for us when we receive it and reply back to him. If I declare with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and I believe it in my heart, then, then, I will be saved. And then the third step is that we must continue to abide in the midst of God's love by obeying God and by being fulfilled by him. John 14, 23 and 24. Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching." My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with, home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. How much clearly can Jesus say it? For those that love me, you will obey my teaching. Anyone that does not love me will not obey my teaching. It can't be any more straightforward from that. Love is an act of obedience. When Jesus died on the cross, it was an act of obedience of him, of his obedience to the Father's will. It was his act of obedience that proved his love for us by dying for us. Therefore, shouldn't I have the same act of obedience by obeying him to prove my love to him? 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. How do you know? How do you know if you have God's love in you? Well, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Again, it's very straightforward. The Bible is not confusing at all here, is it? When I love Jesus, I will obey his commands and I will do the things that please him. And it will be fulfilling. And here's the thing. He does it for me and in me. Love is a two-way street. I'm not here to do this on my own. I cannot love God on my own and be pleasing to him unless the Holy Spirit is in me helping me do this. So he doesn't say, he doesn't give us the commands and then he said, well, good luck. Good luck doing it. No, he says, I'm with you. I'm here to help you. 
I'm here to be that, that provider of your life. I'm here to send my Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the assistant, the provider. He's here to help us. He completes us as we were intended to be from the very beginning of creation. Our, our obedience to him is proof of, proof of our love responding back to him. We live to please God with our lips and with our lives. My lips and my lives must match up as my proof of my own love. In other words, what I speak and what I do must be the same. I can't speak one thing and do another and, and say that, God, I love you. <laughs> Salt water and, and fresh water don't, came, don't come from the same source. I have to be consistent. My lips and my life have to line up, and that proves that my, my love for him. God completes us. God completes us. Love for God is truly complete in them. God is the completer of our love. I can't complete myself. My spouse can't complete me. Your spouse can't complete you. God is the only source that brings completeness in our life. Amen? He's the only one that brings us fulfillment. He's the only one that makes us really give, have the purpose for living. It's through the power of Jesus and the, as, as, through the power of his unconditional love. And that's the mystery of God's love. God is love, and somehow he completes us. Now, if Jackie was here, I would say, Jackie, would you come up and start playing music? Since Jackie's not here, let the music run in your mind, but still pay attention. I love music. It's just not the same without music. So tell Jackie you missed her, okay? Amen. She needs to hear that every once in a while. Tell her you appreciate her. Tell her how much that she does for you. Tell her how good of a job she does leading us in worship. Would you do that? Bless her with that, because she really is a, a, a spirit-led woman and does a mighty job. So let me ask the question. If God lives, uh, loves, lives in us with unconditional love, what should be the form of our love back to him? Conditional or unconditional? What should our kind of love be for him? Is our love for him based on conditions or should it be unconditional to him? See, think about that for a minute before you answer too quickly. Because so many times we are, we are geared into thinking that I'm going to love somebody because of what they've done for me. And sometimes we can think about God in the same way. That God, I'm going to love you because you healed me. God, I'm going to love you because you're my provider of my food today. God, I'm going to love you because of this. But should maybe we should look at love maybe differently towards God? If God loves me unconditionally based upon his love, not about my conditions, can I not, should I not love God the same way back to him? Love him because he is God? Because he is love? See, in this, when I, can, when I can grasp that concept, as difficult as that is, if I can grasp the concept that I should love God unconditionally, it will help me when I'm going through a rough spot in my life. It will help me when maybe my health isn't as well as I'd like it to be. When I don't have all the money that I should have. If my marriage is on the rocks. If I am having a problem with my kids. If I do have a problem on the job. Whatever the conditions are, my love for God is not based on how he fulfills my conditions. My love for God is because he is God and he's worthy of my love. 
And when I can love God that way, my life becomes more full. And it's not so rocky. It's not so... It's not on a roller coaster anymore. I'm not up and down with my feelings for God because I'm, I'm basing it upon what he's done for me lately. No, my love for God is unconditional for him like it's unconditional for me. And when I can do that, then all of a sudden love becomes bigger and more important. It's not about how much I get from God or how healthy I am or how new my car is or any of those measurable things. It is truly based on the flame of God's love that is immeasurable. That I cannot begin to comprehend and and fathom it. I just say, God, thank you. And you know what that does? It takes the pressure off. It takes the pressure off me having to perform for God and God performing for me. I can just sit in his presence and say, Jesus, I love you so much. I love you. Because I know you love me first. I know I didn't have to do anything to come to qualify for your love. And God, you don't have to do anything to qualify for my love either. I'm just going to love you back. And when I love him back, freedom happens. Powerful things happen. My life changes. I can love people. I can love people. Did you hear that? I can love people because I can love God. Wow. So how do we end a sermon like this? Pastor Mike, what would you do? How do you end sermons when there is no ending? When there is, there, when there is no way that you can actually end a sermon and say, okay, we've got it all figured out now. Let's all go home and just love. Because there's so much more than we can talk about here. There's so much more than what we can comprehend. So maybe we'll just end it this way. Let me just ask a couple of questions. This morning... Maybe you've never understood or accepted the unconditional love that Jesus has for you. Maybe that's the first place to start. And maybe we should just invite the Holy Spirit to come into our lives and maybe convict us in some areas that maybe we need to be convicted in to say maybe we just need to accept Jesus' love. Maybe we need to take the pressure off. Or maybe there are those here this morning that are struggling with maybe loving yourself. Maybe you're struggling with your own self-worth, that you're not good enough for God to love you. Or maybe you're not good enough to love yourself. You see, if Jesus loved you unconditionally, then you need to love yourself unconditionally. That's not wrong to do that. It's right because God loves you so much, he doesn't want anyone to perish, and that includes you, no matter what you've done. You cannot do anything bad enough that Jesus doesn't love you. You cannot have done anything bad enough that God says he's beyond hope. That's not true. God loves you, and you need to love yourself. And when you do that, with the power of the Holy Spirit, you do that, first of all, by loving God first. If you feel like you've done too many bad things, understand that those are lies of the enemy. Those are lies of the devil. God's unconditional love doesn't mean that that's for some and not for others. Don't believe the lies of the enemy this morning. God's love is exactly what it says. It's unconditional for you. He loves you, and all he's waiting for you is you to say, yeah, I receive that. I receive that. Let's close our eyes. Let's just pray. Father, as we take a few minutes now to think about your love, and we take a few minutes here to 
allow the, to allow the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts and lives. That we would be able to receive and understand more today what we did yesterday in your love. What does that mean? God, for those that are struggling with their salvation, those that are struggling with their self-worth, help us to understand that you love us so much that you don't want any of us to perish. And that all we have to do is receive that love, believe in our heart, speak it in our mouth, and speak it out and say, Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for my failures. And I know that you're not holding those against me as long as, as soon as I say I'm sorry, they're forgiven and they're forgotten. And so, God, I pray that we would understand the power of love, the, motivator, the motivational power of love that is so powerful. So this morning, as your eyes are closed and you're just considering yourself right now, your life, if, there are any, if you need prayer this morning, if, if, you, if you need someone to come by you and just encourage you and just to say, hey, God loves you. God loves you unconditionally, and he wants you to surrender yourself to him. This morning, as your eyes are closed and, and you feel that little tug of the Holy Spirit in your life to say, yeah, I need to do something. I need to respond to this love. Would you just lift up your hand so that God sees your hand? I see that. Would you just lift up your hand and say, God, I want to receive what your love is. I want to know that. Yeah. Father, we just come before you. We're so grateful, Jesus, that you love us the way you do. Lord, we're thankful for the freedom. We're thank you for the peace that comes into our life when we know that we're, we're okay that our relationship with you is secure. And Lord, even though the enemy will bring lies, even though the enemy will bring accusations against us, because that's what he is, he's the accuser of the brethren, Lord, we don't have to believe that because you are demonstrating your love for us with your unconditional and ever, never, ever changing love. And we thank you for that. So go with us this week as we go through our days. As we go to our jobs, we go to our school, we go to our lives, God, I pray that our love for you would be unconditionally back, that we would love you, God, no matter what happens this week. We just ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.